Well, good morning. Um, if you don't know, my name is Matt Brumfield. I'm one of the pastors here. I am not Ryan, um, but I'm grateful that Ryan would allow me to um, be with you and to share this morning from God's Word. If you're here last week, uh, we heard from Brandon, who I am also not Brandon. Um, Brandon and I look a lot alike, and sometimes people get confused. Um, and so I'm just letting you know. And it's funny, though, because in if we looked around, Brandon's not here, and so I was joking. I was like, I'm going to say that I'm not you, but yet you're not going to be in this room because you're teaching in an ABF. Um, and so it's like one of those, have you ever seen this person and Spider-Man in the room at the same time? No. Um, but we're continuing through this series uh, called Give Thanks, which is fitting for the season we're in. Um, and I want you to think, and so I grew up in Akron, and so with that, there was a time where I was in like middle school going to high school, and my sisters were coming out of high school, and there was this kid from Akron named LeBron James, who used to frequent like the same Acme we went to, he would go to, like my mom would see him there. And so being a kid from Akron, I had to like Cleveland sports because it was like close to home. And so as I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, what's something that would easily be able to help us understand this idea of rejoicing or giving thanks? And so most of us can probably remember, even if maybe we didn't like sports a lot, but right, June 19th, 2016, when the Cavs won the championship, it was this moment of celebration. Uh, and it's moments like those I think a lot of us look forward to. Um, but sometimes... If we like took a step back six years, I remember where I was on July 8th, 2010, when LeBron aired the decision and he announced that he was leaving. And in that moment, it was like all sense of a championship ever happening was crushed. Um, and I think if we, we look through time, it's probably easy, and you see this, right? If we're on social media, you see these things as people post things that they rejoice and celebrate, like, look at our cute, like my wife had our family go get pictures and we post some and it's like, oh, your family's so cute and we rejoice at these or family dinners, all these things. Um, but you know, I think there's this, this other side of life that is deeper and more real than the Cavs championship because at the end of the day, whether the Cavs have a trophy or not, it honestly doesn't really affect me or you. Um, but there's things that are a little bit closer to home that, that maybe we press into, especially as we look at this season of Thanksgiving, that for some of us in here, we do have a lot where we're thankful and rejoice. But as we look, maybe for some of us, this season is actually really challenging because the reality of this world we live in is there's a lot of broken relationships. And so when we press into this idea of family, right, there's this tension and anxiety of getting everyone in the house. Or maybe it's because you're like, I don't know if it's going to actually be thankful because someone who was there with you last year isn't there this year. And this morning, I wanted us to press in, you know, as Brandon so um, gracefully shared with us and challenged us, this idea, right, and this joy and this hope we have in Jesus winning the victory and challenging us to be steadfast and immovable. But I want to ask a question that maybe some of us have thought, but we've never felt like we have the space. How do I respond with steadfastness and immovability when so many of the things and people around us seem so movable? How do I rejoice in the victory of Jesus, which most of us know, 
but often we struggle to recognize in the day-to-day. And so this morning, we're gonna dive into a passage uh, that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Um, and so I'm gonna kind of intro and let you know what, um, what's going on because we're really just focusing on three little verses, but it helps for us to understand what was going on with them. And so it was this church that, that was young. And so Paul had gone and established it, but then he'd been driven out of the city and the church was kind of left before he got to really put in the time to build them up, to establish them. And so they were doing rather well, but they were struggling with a few things. Uh, you know, they had expected like, okay, we're following Jesus, and so there's going to be a little bit of persecution, but they didn't expect it to the extent that it happened, and so Paul was writing to encourage them. Uh, he's writing because they were also confused about when the Lord was coming back. In fact, some of them had been so focused on it that they weren't really living or doing anything because they were just almost like sitting and waiting and saying, well, Jesus has got to be coming, And so they had kind of begun to like move and argue and debate in these things. And Paul writes here to encourage them and to remind them of a few things. And I love this because I think this speaks to us on so many levels. I think it can speak to those who are young in the faith. I can think it can speak to those who have been at this a long time. And looking around here, you know, I've actually been here, um, blessed to be able to be on staff here for 10 years. And so even though I'm rather young, Um, There's something where I can relate. I've got to spend some time with some of the older ABFs and it's been awesome to to look and hear where God has brought you. But I think this can also speak to those that maybe you're new to really following Jesus or this whole church thing. And so I want us to do is just press in here and and look at what does it mean to respond, to, to recognize what God has said and to actively live that out. And so if you would pray with me and then we're gonna read, Father, God, I just ask that this morning, God, you would speak to us so clearly. Lord, just be with us as we dive into your word that, God, you would, you would move, that this would not be my words, but yours. We just pray this in your name, amen. So if you would, stand with me, and we're gonna read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You can be seated. And so as we look at this, um, it starts, and it's really like really easily broken down for us. Rejoice always. And so what does this mean? And so there's going to be a blank up here. And for those of you that like to fill stuff in, um, it's celebrate God moments. And so what does this mean? What is that? What is a God moment? What does it mean to celebrate God moments? And I think definitions are very helpful. Um, And so for us, I'm going to walk us through a few definitions. I think we need to get to the same source of truth. Uh, A lot of the world we live in, sometimes we can live in this um, subjective versus objective truth. And so I want us to walk us through. And so rejoice. What does the word rejoice mean? So I looked it up in the dictionary. It says, to be glad, to take delight, often followed by in, or to make joyful. All right, so rejoice, to make joyful. Well, what is joy? Joy, the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. And so when I look at that, I think if we were living in this um, subjective where what is exceptionally good or satisfying, 
every single one of us in this room, in this building, would have a different definition. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of blanket statement all of us into this. Well, what does God's word, if we're looking at this as our source of truth, have to say is the ultimate good or what is completely satisfying? And it's really simple. It's one word, one person, and that's Jesus. And this is usually where when we hear this, people go, if you've been at church long enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes the simplest things to know are the hardest things to actually believe and live out. Because the reality is, if we're honest, we rejoice about the things that we concern ourselves over. And we're concerned about the things we treasure. And we treasure the things that we believe are good and satisfying. And so the question for us is, what are the things that we treasure? Where does our money our time, our devotion go to. Jesus spoke in in Matthew chapter six and he said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy. Jesus met this woman in John chapter four at the well and he said, do you wanna drink from this well that never runs dry? And Jesus saying, he says, I am the source of goodness and satisfaction. If our biggest concern is our selfness, we end up rejoicing at the expense of others. But if our biggest concern comes from being selfless, we will rejoice that Jesus is for others. As you see, we can know that Jesus is the ultimate goodness and the ultimate satisfaction, but something happens when it's not just knowledge, but it's recognition in our daily lives. You know, I grew up in the church and I remember, right, hearing, right, the gospel, right, that Jesus died, right, so that sinners, because I'm a sinner and that you're a sinner, that we could have eternal life. But I remember that I knew a lot of these things, but I didn't recognize the depth of this because what happened was I got this thing and then I began to just look and I say, man, I know they don't have this. Look how bad they are. In fact, it even kind of like pressed into my family relationships as I had cousins or aunt and uncles. It's like, they believe they do these things because they don't have Jesus. But you know, something changed over the time that I've got to spend here. Is there was this recognition that when I saw people, it was through this different lens that yes, there was still this brokenness. But God began to do something that, that I recognized that And Jesus gave himself. I began to recognize that it wasn't just my knowledge, but even in me following Jesus, I still needed him. I was insufficient. And you see verse 17, when it says, pray without ceasing, what Paul is really getting at is he's saying, recognize your insufficiency. Again, definition, so what is prayer? Right, there's all these different types of prayer, right? Confession and repentance, right? And I think this is one that we only talk about a little bit, right? As a kid, you're supposed to right, say this if you grew up, and so it's like, when did you ask Jesus into your heart? It's this idea of confession. And I think a lot of times we only press into that. I know for me, it was this, I did this. And so it wasn't really ever, I keep praying this way. But, but confess means to acknowledge, to own, to admit, 
Repent means to feel such sorrow for sin or fault as to be disposed to change one's life for the better. See, when we pray, we recognize that we are still in process. That even though I am justified when I come to faith in Jesus, I am still, each of us here, and Paul is gonna speak to this, are still being sanctified, meaning we are in process, we are still being saved, we are still being made to look more like Jesus. And it's important for us to remember this because when I don't, I either A, become prideful and think I'm this awesome thing that I've somehow made something of myself, look at what I know, look at what I've done, or I forget And this is probably more where I fall and I feel this shame because I say everybody else sitting here looks like they have it together. And I begin to question and say, well, God, are you really there? Did you really do this? Because it seems like no matter how hard I strive and I I put myself at this, this center and when we pray, we we come to him and recognize our insufficiency. We cry out prayers of supplication, right? This is this sense of need. Jesus, I need you. And then there's this other part, a prayer of intercession, right? And Paul speaks of this. He says, when you pray on behalf of another, and there's two parts. In Ephesians 6, Paul speaks, right, to pray for all the saints, meaning you should be praying for your brothers and sisters in this room. Paul speaks even saying, pray for me. And what he's saying is that none of us are ever in a spot on this earth where we're so perfect that we don't need people to intercede on our behalf. That we don't need Jesus to continue to do a work in us. In 1 Timothy 2, he takes it this way and he says, pray for all people. All right, he was writing this letter. The issue with the church in Ephesus is that the believers had gotten to this point where they thought they were awesome and they began to come down on the non-believers. And they began to look and they began to say, and look at them and right, Paul is right, rebuking them. He's saying, right, no, like God desires all people to come to a knowledge of the truth. And leaves us with a question of, do, do I wish that? Do I pray for all people? To pray that they would know Jesus, not just change so it's comfortable for me, but like that they would know Jesus. Do I actually want them to have a seat at the table? Or do I wish wrong upon them? You know, I think prayer helps us recognize maybe where in life we have not been seeking God, been living in his intended ways. Because when we rejoice in the downfall of others, for whatever reason, maybe they agree on something differently than us, maybe they look differently or act differently, when we begin to put ourselves at the center, instead of taking a step back and realizing that there is a great God that is doing great things beyond what we could even imagine, When we rejoice in the downfall of others, we do not see them through the eyes of God. Psalm 139 says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And this is a truth that's not just like for us. It's for every person on the face of this planet. The one who believes the farthest thing from you. The Bible says, the gospel says they're fearfully and wonderfully made. 
right? Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter six and he lists this big list, right? And these are lists sometimes we like, it's like, look at all these bad things that I don't do. But then Paul says, and such were some of you because it's this mess like the gospel is this good news, this hope. And it's not just like I hold on to it, but it's also this hope that even the person that seems the farthest, that we don't just stick a hand out and say, they're never gonna get it. But we say, man, if Jesus could do this in me, then he can do it over here. And then we remember, right, that I don't have to win that battle because Jesus has won it. Second Peter 3, 9 says that God is not slow as some count snow, slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Do our prayers match this? Matthew 12, Jesus speaks that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I wonder, and I ask myself this, because there's been moments in my life where I've said things, I've posted things, I've shared an article because I know the reaction I wanna get. And when I look at that, I was placing myself at the center and I was rejoicing because I was hoping that someone would get hurt because of that. And I didn't see them as one that was fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. As I began defining them by the things they did, the things they said, the things that had happened to them. I was not recognizing that I was insufficient. I forgot that following Jesus is a process and that some of us in here are further along in the process. And that's okay. And some of us in here aren't as far along and that's okay because God is still doing a work that some of us can't even see. And we rejoice because the promise is that he will bring it to completion. And then there's prayers of thanksgiving, right? We sang in the opener, right? Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's from the song, 10,000 Reasons. We have prayers and moments, and we should, where we just thank God and list what he has done. But you see, we have to caution our thanksgiving for what God has done for us to instead be about learning who God is regardless of the results of our circumstances. And I think this is tough because usually when we say thanksgiving, it's I got something, something happened. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's true as we read these things that we hear about God as healer, right? God as provider, God as sustainer. But I think that if it can only be about we rejoice in those things when we are the recipient of them, we're missing the picture that God is still healer even if I don't get healing. Verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I would say this is this line, even if. Because if I give thanks in circumstances that feel good, they're subjective, I'm missing this picture of who God is. And I think this is the most difficult one to wrestle with. Because this is where, right, this process of we recognize like Jesus has won the victory, that we rejoice, 
right? That there is this hope, but, but yet we're still living in this broken, fallen world. And so our flesh is at war and we wrestle with this. And we feel the pain of these even if moments. So you say, well, God, give thanks in all circumstances. Even if my dad never gets better. God, you say give, give thanks in all circumstances. And Jesus, you say you won this and you're healer. But I give thanks even if I, I never find my job. Even if my health, my wealth, my kids, my job, my comfort, my, my preference, my politics, my whatever, even if it doesn't turn out the way that I think it should be. And it's this moment where we step back and we recognize that, that God is up to something. And so when we look at this, how do we do these things? How can we rejoice always? How can we pray without ceasing? How can we give thanks in all circumstances? The first is this, is rejoice that God is up to something bigger than you or I. The God of the universe. The God who is beyond all understanding. We sing this for most of us, you've been doing this, we've sing these from the, the hymns to what you listen to on the radio, right? The depth of this, of this great God. And so maybe we can rejoice and we take a step back that we stop putting whatever it is at the center. And this blank is different for each of us. For some of us, it's this belief that if, well, if I just had this thing, then everything would be better. But that thing can never fulfill or satisfy. For some, it may be, right, whatever that is of, of money, of wealth, maybe it's even our preferences. If, if we just had, right, if we just had this, if we could just have like this in, in power, this person over us and all these things. And we see like, if we've read this, we realize that nothing, there's no man, there's no wealth, there's no stuff, there's no law, there's like nothing apart from Jesus, apart from Jesus, can ever fix whatever it is, that thing that you feel like this would solve it all. Why can't they just get it? It's Jesus. And he won that victory. And the only way I can rejoice and recognize that God is up to something bigger than you or I is I, if I stop putting that thing for me in the center of my life. But how do we do that? We pray that God would reveal what you should do. Because prayer recognizes our insufficiency. See, there's this reality is that none of us None of us can do that in our own power. Whatever that thing is, is we have to recognize that, God, I need your spirit to do a work in me beyond anything I could ever do. But when God shows you what you should do, our response, our action is do what God is saying now. Don't make excuses, do it. 
when God says something, we respond. As a parent, right, I'm working through this with my three-year-old, and it's like this, dude, like, I just need you to do what I'm asking you now. Right? And there's moments where in my brokenness, I want it out of selfishness, but a lot of times it's like, like get off the couch because if you jump off, you're going to get hurt. You know, we're saying that God is a good father. And let me tell you that if God asks you to do something, when we say yes, it's not because he wants to take something from us. It's because he sees something beyond what we can see. Do what God is saying now. And the third, give thanks that God has provided all you need. Right? This is tying in from last week that Jesus won that victory, that he is enough. But I think there's this reality in our broken state is that for some of us, we struggle to believe that God has really provided what we need. And so the response to this would be to confess whatever fear, guilt, or shame that Jesus isn't enough. And you see, because how this plays out is when we hear things like God is provider. God meets the one who says, I am encompassed in debt that no matter how hard I've tried and all the programs or all the stuff that I can never get out of it. God is provider and can provide a way of freedom from that debt. But God is also provider for the one that says, well, I'm really comfortable because God, right? And we like to throw this, like God has blessed me with all this stuff. And the challenge there is really like that if this was gone, would I still think that God was a God who had blessed me? That even if I didn't have this stuff, and you see God provides a way of freedom, of gentle humility to see, man, this stuff is not what makes you. Now, I don't know where everyone in this room is at, and as we move into this season, that maybe for some of us, we have been blessed with a very good season. You know, my challenge for you is for you to begin to ask God to show you that there are needs around you, that there are people around you that God has placed for you to step into. You know, I got to take some time um, some time away <clears throat> And it was funny in that moment as I had kind of gotten to this point where <clears throat> I had forgotten a lot of this. I had gotten to this point of, of fear. Because I had seen a lot of brokenness, in fact, a lot of brokenness here with, with some of you. And it was this moment where things, as I looked around and I saw arguing and I saw hurt, and I had forgotten to rejoice. And I began to look back on journals of prayers and I began to see that prayers that I hadn't even realized I had prayed that God had answered. 
and some prayers that I'd been praying for years that I'd forgotten that were just over and over again. And as we move through this, as we conclude, what is your response going to be? If you take a moment to pause and look at your life, do you rejoice that God is doing something beyond you? Do you rejoice that he won the victory and so you don't, you don't have to fight these battles because he has done it? So I'm gonna ask the band to come back up and as we close, I just challenge you that maybe Maybe you're in here and you've been living in fear. Maybe you've been living in fear that if things don't happen the way that you want them to happen, that it won't be okay. But there's a God who, who looks at you and that he gives a peace beyond understanding. Maybe you've been coming here and you're really good at wearing a mask. But you're carrying this guilt that you say, if anyone knew about, and they would call me by it, but there is a God who deeply loves you. And that he wants to do a work, even if you say, I, do, I know Jesus, but there's these things that I just can't let go of. Maybe you feel ashamed because you say, if the people in this room, in this ABF, and whatever, knew what had happened, knew what had been going on. I just challenge you that whatever God is saying to you, whatever work you need to do, that we don't have to live in this fear is that there's this freedom and that we would recognize that, that we would see the world around us, that we would rejoice because things may seem hopeless. But Jesus has won. And that's for you. And that's for every person. The ones who are gonna grace your dinner table, who are at your workplace. May you never get to a point where you believe that things are too far gone. God's got this. And that we could cry out and say, even if things don't get better, there's this hope that one day he is coming again. Father, Lord, we've heard your word. And God, for a lot of us, we know these truths. But Lord, may we also recognize that at times we are insufficient to believe them on our own. But Jesus, you have won the victory. God, I pray over all in here. God, I pray against any fear that anyone would be living in. 
any guilt so that they may feel like they have to keep bearing, that Jesus, you are the God who gives freedom. That you've given yourself for us, that we could know hope, that we don't have to be ashamed because Jesus, you don't call us by our sin, by our brokenness, you call us by our name. You call us your child. Lord, this morning I pray that whatever work how that your spirit is calling us to do that we would do it and that we would lean in hard to you even if things don't play out the way we want or the way we think because Jesus you you are enough Father we need you we pray this in your holy name Amen.